Welcome to Growing You, part of LaGrave CRC's adult education program. We want to thank you for joining us for Growing You this season. This will be our last presentation until next fall. In this session, we are joined by LaGrave members Kate Oster and Diane Bonima as they present to us information on neurodiversity. In our time together, we will explore the idea of neurodiversity along with a small snapshot of the unique strengths of those with autism. You are listening to Bringing the Invisible to Light, an Introduction to Neurodiversity. All right, I'm Diane Bonima. I've been a member here for maybe two years or so, and I work at Dutton Christian School. I'm the sixth through eighth grade learning support services teacher. I've been doing this job for about 20 years or so. Um, I work with students who have specific learning disabilities, maybe in reading or math. I work with those who have neurodiverse disabilities. Um, I work with those who have anxiety, which are getting to be a little bit more. Um, so I kind of service a variety of students. I either work in a small group with them in my classroom, or I do a lot in-class support also. Yes, yeah, so I'm at Dutton Christian. I enjoy my job. I'm getting, I get a variety of students. All of them certainly have their challenges, but they all definitely have their gifts also. God has given them um, very many good things, many things to praise. Um, I know I have learned a lot of things from my students as well as I'm hoping I'm teaching them some things. I'm Kate Oster, um, mom to a child with a neurodivergent beautiful brain, um, but also a challenge at times. I'm also a special education teacher by trade, um, and I now work for the Ottawa area Intermediate School District, which is a mouthful, um, as a behavior and autism spectrum disorder teacher consultant, um, helping teachers understand these beautiful brains and how they work and then how we can support our kids well in school um, so that everybody feels successful. All right, first of all, I'm glad you're here. Thank you for coming because I do hope um, this will be a very um, quick overview, but I hope you learn also some things um, about neurodiversity. Um, some of you may think that's a big mouthful and I don't know what that means. Some of you maybe are very familiar with it um, and some of you are experts on it, depending on where you are in your life and what you know. So first of all, I want to give you a little bit of a definition. Neuro has things to do with your brain and your nervous system. And then diversity, I think we all are familiar with that term, right? A variety of things. We're all different in some way. God didn't create us all exactly the same. So neurodiversity is putting our brain and how we are different from each other with how our brain works. Most of us, I would say, think of, well, all brains work the same. They don't quite do that. So that's what we're going to be talking about. Um, and it's these types of disabilities, or as I like to use the word challenges, are different than a lot of the physical ones you see. A lot of times when you think of, oh, special ed teachers, they th they're working with children with Down syndrome or cerebral palsy, or maybe in hearing impairment, usually the ones that you can see. All right, the types of challenges that we're talking about, you don't see. They have to do with the way their brain works and functions. You can look at a classroom of students 
or you can look throughout our church and look at all the children and you won't know which ones have a different functioning brain. They don't look different, not like a Down syndrome child. Um, a lot of times these are referred to as invisible because until you get to know the child, you probably won't see it. Um, so we think, why, why did our church want this Growing You session? Why do we need to talk about this? We are all different. We do have students and adults with these kind of challenges in our church. How can we help them? How can we help their families be able to come to church and worship in the way they can worship? So we're going to talk just a little bit about some of these. We're going to focus mainly on autism. Um, two reasons, because I think that's the one most of you have heard about. Or maybe you heard about the autism spectrum or Asperger's. It, that's all the same thing. Um, but we're going to focus on autism because it is Autism Awareness Month. That's what April is known for. And second, because Kate knows a lot about autism, probably more than I do. I work with the kids. I don't always know everything about it. So I'm going to let Kate talk more about autism. Envision a forest. And you might have a picture like this up on a wall in your house or your office. And it brings to mind that idea that there's lots of diversity within the forest. We need all the different pieces in order to, to pull that together, that beautiful picture. And it also brings to mind this idea that each one is an individual, and we need all of those individuals to come together to make this beautiful picture for our world. Um, I will send these slides to you, Emily, so we can share out if you're interested in them later. This is a quote from Fred Rogers. The purpose of life is to listen to yourself, to your neighbor, to your world, and to God. And when the time comes to respond in as helpful a way as you can, from within and from without. And as we think about sitting in church with those that might take in information differently or have a little extra wiggle in them or be a little bit more sound sensitive, if we can respond with that idea of kindness and love, it really helps you to take a pause and to be able to accept that there might be a little more busyness going on next to you. My husband is extremely sound sensitive and extremely aware of all the wiggling going on around him. And so we are purposely accommodating for that by choosing a spot in the back where it's quiet. Um, and we know that then he can pay attention and that our friends who need a little more wiggle, like my daughter, have a space then to do that wiggling as needed. So again, another reminder that diversity is beautiful. We have diversity in the animal world. We have diversity within nature. We also, within the last, it's starting to feel longer than it actually should be, in the last about 30, 40 years have been really starting to nationally, um, within legislation, notice that there are differences among us and to accommodate for those and to make sure that we're supporting and providing ways for everyone to access. So in 1975 was the first federal law for children in schools to get those extra supports that they needed. And then 1990 was the Americans with Disabilities Act, the first time that came out, which is now 30, 
two years ago. Um, it does not feel like it should be that, that long at this point. Um, and our latest within, I would say, probably the last 10 years is really starting to notice the diversity then within our brains. And so it's not just this physical, like Diane mentioned, but there's also this beautiful busyness going inside in the way that we're processing and understanding how others are taking in information. This quote comes from an autistic child um, in Australia. Australia, excuse me. They have a fabulous network, um, a social support network, with individuals who are helping each support each other as they're learning and growing. Um, and Sienna said it is important for society to understand and embrace neurodiversity so that we can discard the notion of normal and move towards a paradigm of inclusion, diversity, and equity for all. Which is really, as we think about our workplaces and our schools and within our church, that idea that we're embracing and accepting everyone as they come. So now digging into um, an area that I really am passionate about, um, working with students um, who are autistic or on the spectrum, depending on how that individual feels about the language. Um, there's been a shift in the last couple of years that used to be person first, uh, person with autism, and it's shifting. We're hearing a lot out of the autistic community that this is who I am. Um, and so many individuals are preferring to be autistic, that this is just, the, it's part of me. Um, and not something that's separate. So brains in general, to give you just a quick correlation, and we wanted to leave time for questions at the end, so I'm talking really fast, and this is a really small snapshot right now. But we can think of the brain as a computer, and some of our computers work on a PC or an Android base, and some of our computers work on an Apple or a Mac or however you want to think of that, and they're both fabulous. We need both of them because they are set up for different audiences. Is that the word I want? Different audience, depending on if you're a creative type or if you need more of that power computing. And we need all of them. So a non-autistic brain or a neurotypical brain, sometimes we'll call it, is really somewhat like your average laptop. You can get all the work done, you have some basic commands that work, and we're all good to go. Some brains are more of that gaming computer, so they've got a little extra power behind them, they're processing a little bit faster. This might be what you see in an office versus a college class. And then finally, we have a few brains that are like supercomputers, and that, I mean, the information is just instantaneous and they're processing and they're moving it through. And it's, it's part of who we are, so we get this beautiful breadth of information and processing along the way. Then you can add in a little bit of spice, I call it sometimes, a little bit of a different way that that processing is happening. And it's all really important, but it's not always processing in the same way that you or I might think about it. And so sometimes, in the extremely small picture, you might get a couple wires that are crossed. Um, it starts to look a little bit more tangled and the information maybe isn't flowing quite as efficiently as we would hope. Um, and it might feel a little frustrating for that individual. And it might mean that you need to take a step back as an individual and just give a little bit of extra time to let things process. It might be that we've got extra processing power 
but then the actual power cord itself isn't pushing enough power. So we've got all of this amazing capability, but we need a little bit more charging time in order to get all that information flowing. And then sometimes you just get a computer that's really taking its slow time today. Um, hence, our screens are taking a slow time today to do what they need to do. Uh, it's not good or bad, it's just different, and we need to adjust and accommodate and move forward. This is one of my favorite quotes, and we're going to say the house. Um, we can think of God's house, or you can think of your house, or the classroom house, or your community house, um, just the house in general. But in this house, we do parallel play. We give each other space. We have time to delve into our own interests. We unashamedly spend a ton of time online. We stim. Those are some of those um, more traditional things you think of um, with autism. Sometimes it's hand flapping with the excitement. We just can't contain it anymore. Um, sometimes some spinning, sometimes some toe tapping. We love each other for our authentic selves because in this house we do acceptance. And if you take anything away today, we hope that you're just taking in that this is a, just another aspect of these beautiful kids and adults um, that we have within our community and that if you can just love on everybody and give a moment to be kind and pause, um, you can really start to see some of those beautiful pieces coming out. So as a teacher who works with kids with autism. We do a lot of social stories, they call them, a lot of explaining how life works through some written word, which does parallel church. We learn a lot through the written word. Um, this story is based on school because that's where I live most of my life, um, but you can think of this again as your community or your home um, or your Sunday school class um, if you happen to be upstairs with some of our kids. So all of us learn differently, and that's great. Lynn and Rosa learn best by repeating what they hear or singing songs. Maria likes to learn by thinking in pictures instead of words. Nadia learns best when she takes notes. Kyle needs to bounce and move when he learns. And Fala learns best from what she hears. And sometimes, because we are all different, some students will use different tools to be able to help them. Martin uses a laptop that reads his words out loud because he does not always speak. Perry uses a wheelchair to help him move around the school. There are lots of ways students can access the classroom that may be different from you. And all of these are ways, and all of those ways are there to help everyone learn for what is best for them. Charlie needs to chew on something in order to help him concentrate. Max needs crutches and braces to help him move around. Leah uses sign language to communicate. It's great to learn to sign even if you are not deaf. And Kyla needs to have a small snack sometimes or go to the nurse to check her sugar. Sometimes Miss Veronica comes to work with a classmate who needs to learn differently or to type up lessons in Braille for Tyson, who is blind. A doctor, counselor, or school worker can help you learn if you need to learn in a different way. Like if you need glasses to help you see the board, a little help staying organized, or extra time to take a test. 
It's great that there is room for all of us to learn together, even if we have different needs. Everyone deserves to learn in the way that works best for them. Wow. We flew through that. You never know how much time we may have. What did we miss or what questions or... We're realizing that this topic was so broad as we thought about how do you begin to discuss these unique ways um, that people can process their environment um, and access the community, that half an hour just wasn't, wasn't enough to dig in. So what we would love to do is to begin a discussion that could continue on um, into the future. And so as you're thinking about what we might have missed, because there was a lot that we missed in the last 20 minutes, um, where would you like to see this conversation move forward? Yes. Yes. Yep. Yes. So um, autism is a spectrum disorder, and it's because it can encompass so many things, and we've learned a lot over the past um, 10 to 15 years. When it was first in the diagnostic manual, um, there was this pervasive developmental disorder, which was really, we weren't sure what, so we just put it under this term. Um, there was autism spectrum disorder, which was much more of what you think of classically in terms of um, the stereotyped movements, repetitive speech, um, that those social skills that didn't seem typical for what we would expect. Um, and then Asperger's syndrome was kind of the third piece of that, and that was much more, um, what was called high-functioning. High um, I don't like the term, but that's what was used um, back in the day. And these were your kids who seemed like little professors, so they had tons of content knowledge. Um, they seemed to be very verbal. They could interact on their topics of interest very intensely, um, and then may not have those same ability to interact when it was a topic that was not of interest. Um, there have been some changes in the diagnostic manual over the past few years. This latest version is saying that all of these spectrum disorders fall under one umbrella of autism spectrum disorders, and it impacts the social communication side of things, so that ability to use language to regulate interactions. Um, it was said for a while that there wasn't a desire for social interaction, and we're is really not the case. It's just understanding how to initiate those social interactions and continue them on. There's very much a desire to have, to have that connection with one another. And then the other side of that is those restricted repetitive behaviors, so that need for sameness. Um, you might see kids following the same pattern, um, which we all do to some extent. I know when I get up in the morning, I follow this, the same routine of, you know, get up, mad dash to the bathroom, get ready, Downstairs, have to have the coffee. If I don't have the coffee, then we're really going to be out of sorts. <laughs> yeah. So those things, but it's much more um, intensely needed in order to feel regulated and the ability to move forward in life. This can look like low support needs, so I might just need a couple extra reminders in order to function and get things organized and get things done. And this may look like high support needs where we're looking you know, all the way to the end of a group home in order to make sure that we're getting basic needs met 
and um, supporting communication. Just read an article yesterday, it was really, really cool. There is a PhD student um, out at Berkeley right now who is a minimally speaking autistic man um, who uses his device for all of his communication. And, but he just um, was awarded a huge grant. It is so cool to see um, that we are moving this direction of accepting our communication devices as that way of speaking and not letting it impact what we're thinking. I saw a hand. It's within that neurodiversity umbrella. So we've got our autism spectrum disorder umbrella and then this larger umbrella of neurodiversity and it's all of those pieces where our brains might be thinking differently. So ADHD, um, anxiety disorders are under there, um, tics and Tourette's, um, specific learning disabilities when we think about um, dyslexia, dysgraphia, any of those pieces where we're trying to get that information out. It's a very, very large um, umbrella. Yes? Can, uh, can you expound on that? Because I work with people with disabilities as well. And, and even within the categories, <laughs> you can have differences. Yes. For example, and I mean this as an example, okay? Uh, I have processing disorder, so I tend to open my mouth and stick my foot in it a lot. I'm also profoundly deaf. Deafness is not always a uh, physical disability. No, it's not. Uh, so that, you said that earlier before. I've got to catch you. Yes. Is, it a pro is my mask a problem for you? And your earrings. And my earrings. Yeah, uh, focusing on those in the, in the light. <laughs> I'm taking them off right now. See, that's, that's my point. You know, you yeah. have the... You have such a, a range. range, yes. And... I think the beautiful thing is we're recognizing that now, yes. um, and we're willing to accommodate for it, where in the past it might not have been. Oh, well, I'm willing to accommodate. Yes. No, no, I'm the last person to think that, but yes, I'm sure you get that frequently. Put your phone down, so we're doing business here. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm. I would be the last person to tell you to do that. <laughs> yes, Leonard. I have two questions. Yeah. I'm not sure how you would measure this or know this, but diverse persons do we have at the grade? And then my second question is, do we have any program we bring in to help include them in, in, our, in, our, in our church life? Those are really good questions. Um, I can tell you that the um, current statistic for autism is one in 44. And I did the math earlier in the week and I wanna say given if we, I think, Anna, I heard you say like 1,600 in our congregation. I just took that number. Um, it would be about 36 individuals who would have um, an autism spectrum disorder within this congregation size. Now, some of those you may notice, um, you may see some really profound um, visible parts of that. And then there may be, and most likely, a whole bunch that we don't know um, because they have coping skills or are choosing to mask those, those outward parts um, when they're out in the community. Yes. Wait, wait, wait. I don't think Come we back. have anything. I don't think we have anything, do we? We don't have anything right that now. That we I know of. That, that I know of. Right. Um, is anybody here from the Disabilities Committee? Okay. Yes. You mean we're working on getting programs? Because we, do we have specific things right now? We do? 
uh, okay. Good. We have in our schools, um, it's a growing movement called peer-to-peer programming where we're, yes, yes we're educating our peers um, so that they're able to do this naturally. Oh my gosh, 
just start shouting it out. <laughs> That lady over there. She's, just a minute. She's been she's been wait she's been waiting. Yeah. Um. It is important. Um. And there's research out showing that when we can start to impact um, the brain earlier, it helps. We also know now um, throughout research that the brain is plastic per se there's this idea of neuroplasticity and so that it can continue to change throughout the lifespan um, and so while it is important to get early intervention um, it's also important to know that it's never stagnant um, and that as we are continuing to grow and learn um, our brains are constantly changing and and growing and adapting okay thank you for waiting if we could start small here i think um, to address maybe some of leonard's questions all of us in this room could begin to practice one or two things that would be hospitable um, in worship or in our communities that um, would honor our differences um, and our processing times and experiences um, in order to travel together and not leave people behind. Is, do you have one or two things that um, are accessible, kind of um, easy for each of us to begin to integrate to start this um, movement of awareness um, that is hospitable to folks who are neurodiverse. I'm going to throw it out here too because um, you all have vast experiences. I would say the biggest thing in my book is to pause um, and find a moment of something good, even if something is like really driving you nuts. Um, you know, the person next to you is just wiggling is crazy. Can you just take a pause and a deep breath and let your brain settle as well? And then, you know, maybe it's giving a little extra space then or um, just that moment of grace of saying, gosh, look at, you know, what God has given you that extra movement um, and turning it from a negative piece and to, you know, something that is a gift um, and thinking about how can we then use that gift. So it sounds like then where we would be doing, so we could be doing some of this work without anybody even knowing if the first, one of the first steps is for us to say, or those of us who feel more neurotypical to say, oh wow, I, to be, I don't know, to be curious about this behavior, to yes. be curious about this language. Yep. Um, okay, 
I'm so glad. <laughs> yes, it's those moments too that just entering the conversation, um, it might not be what you're expecting in the moment, um, but just welcoming it rather than not being sure what to do. Yes. I was just going to say that I'm very encouraged by the conversation and I'm very encouraged um, that we're, we're talking about programming, talking about ways to support children and adults with uh, neurodiverse challenges. There's a whole other dimension also, or, or a companion dimension to that, that, you know, sometimes I think we need to be aware of the parents of mm -hmm. children um, who, how can we support parents of children with, with neurodiverse um, disabilities, challenges? And I, I don't think there's any one answer no. I think it's specific to the situation, but I think that's a tremendous opportunity for us as a church to keep in mind as well. How can we support these families? Yeah. Right, because I don't think we totally understand how much work it is to be a parent with that. Um, I just last week met with parents of a sixth grade student I have, and we were talking about some of his social issues, and it breaks your heart when you ask the parents, well, who are their closest friends? And their response is, they don't have any friends. They probably don't. Right, and it, it breaks our heart, and we're like, oh man, okay, we've got to do something. Um, I know like the public schools probably the peer-to-peer. -peer. I know in the Christian schools, we do a lot with All Belong, and we do the circle of friends, which is the same thing. How do you accept your peers? How do you help them? How do you encourage them? Um, I had a group years ago, and we would role play a ton of different situations, and there were certain words, certain phrases they would say to the student with a neurodiverse challenge, and when they heard those words, that meant, oh, I'm not behaving in the right way. I need to do something different. Or if they were losing control, one of their circle of friends members would come and say, okay, let's go take a walk. We taught their peers, which is what they do too, and it's amazing. Peers are really better teachers than teachers sometimes, right? And, and, they, and the peers see what is socially incorrect. And don't, do that. don't say that, you know. So I think schools are really looking at, let's start them young with the diagnosis. And then how do we use their peers to increase their social behavior? And how do you talk about what's wrong? 
You know, you can bring up in your conversation what your favorite thing is, dinosaurs, but their peers can also tell them, okay, now it's someone else's turn to talk. You can't talk about dinosaurs the whole 30 minutes. We don't want to hear about dinosaurs anymore. Right, but how do you do that in a loving and kind way? Which I think we need to, to do it here too, like in Sunday school classes. Yeah, close them. Oh, one more quick question. professional soapboxes if you ever want to talk. One is support needs and the other is communication and making sure that we are truly providing adequate communication access for everyone. All right, well, yep, thank you once again for coming and it sounds like we're going to be keeping making progress and working on making sure that all the needs of people in our congregation are met in some way. So let's pray. Our dear, gracious, and, and heavenly Father, once again, we want to close this and end our time thanking you for the way that you have created each of us. We each have um, talents, we have gifts that we can use in your kingdom. We also have challenges in which we need to rely on you and others for support. We thank you for this church. We thank you for this opportunity to begin this discussion, and may we continue to grow and learn about each of the people in our congregation. In your name we pray, amen. amen.